Welcome to the Undraped Artist Podcast. You should know that this episode was also recorded in video and can be watched on our website at theundrapedartist.com and also on YouTube at the Undraped Artist Podcast. Also, check out our show notes to learn more about today's guest. I hope you enjoy the show. Oliver Sin, welcome to the Undraped Artist Podcast. Hi, Jeff. Thank you for having me. Man, yeah, it's a pleasure. And thanks for accommodating me because I am a complete moron and I have no idea what the time zones are. <laughs> That's okay. You're the most businessman in the industry. So I appreciate your time and appreciate you taking time and interviewing me. I'm nobody, but thank you. Honest oh, mind. Not hardly, man. You not hardly. Know. You're too humble. You're one of the great draftsmen alive today. So I'm really excited to talk to you about that. So tell me, though, a little bit about yourself. First of all, how do you spend your time from day to day? I know you're really busy because we tried to get on this a week ago and you only had like an hour. You're a busy man. So tell me what you're doing with your time from day to day. Well, I'm a lonely man who lived in San Francisco, California for more than 30 something years. And I like to draw. I, um, um, during the pandemic, um, I spent a lot of time 24 seven doing art. And art is my passion. Art is my baby. And, you know, I, I like to draw. I like to do art 24 seven. And that's me. I'm, I'm obsessed with art. So yeah, what I say you're not obviously literally doing it 24 seven, you have to sleep and there. And I know that you teach a little bit. Tell me a little bit about yeah. that. What, where do you teach? How do you teach? I mean, when I say I how, been, I mean, through what institutions? I have been teaching for a, um, a, a private school, uh, you know, private and profit art school called Academy of Art University in city of San Francisco uh, since 2001. That's the school. That was the school that I graduated from. And I graduated in the illustration department. And um, after I graduated, I worked for George Lucas uh, as a concept artist for more than three and a half years and in San Rafael, California. And then, you know, four years experience with George Lucas was amazing. And then I went back to Hong Kong where I was born and raised. And I worked there for about six months, eight months as an art director, but didn't work out. I moved back to San Francisco, California. Um, so I have been teaching for Academy of Art University since 2001. And almost at, we are in 2023, more than two decades. Yeah. So I kind of enjoy it. And during the pandemic, I teach more through Zoom for my own personal classes because, you know, pandemics change a lot of, you know, plans for a lot of people's artists. So I decided to, you know, give it a try and I enjoy teaching through Zooms because I like the interaction with the with my students. So I'm so grateful that I have a lot of supports, um, supportive students who, you know, around the world, you know, they taking the time to study with me. You know, I'm I'm just a shadow artist who share my knowledge in arts with, you know, other people. It took a long time for me to realize my mission. Because I, I know, I know that I've been, I've been start drawing since I was a little kid, like age three. And I don't know, you know, I just love to draw. I love to draw. And then, um, I just turned 50. 
And it took me a long time to realize that sharing my knowledge in art is my mission. And I didn't pick art, art picked me. Hmm. What was it that happened in your life that made you realize that teaching was your mission? I didn't go to school to become an art educator. And I, you know, as a, as an Asian who living in America, um, you know, I, I studied abroad in, uh, I was a foreign student in Canada, Toronto. I finished my high school in Toronto, Canada. And then my family moved to California, San Francisco, uh, way after the big earthquake, uh, 1989, you were not born yet. So <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm 48, man. I'm only two years younger. Oh, <laughs> I was around, oh. but I was in New York safe from the, from the earthquakes. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I didn't know, and then I moved back to California uh, around year 2000, and I tried so many other, you know, um, things before I become a professional, professional art educator. And I didn't know my my teacher believed in me. So she believes in me, and then she asked me, Oliver, her name is Carol Nanny. So I want to say thank you to her. So she inspired me. She was my teacher at Academy of Art University. And um, she asked me, Oliver, would you like to come back to Academy of Arts and teach? And I say, what? Teaching? You know, I have, you know, English is not my first language. I have the huge barrier in language. So I just say, ooh. I remember the first day, uh, first class that I taught, I memorized the six hours lecture. And it was oh, like, wow. Crazy. It was crazy. But now after 22 years teaching, and I feel like, I mean, I, you know, I enjoyed teaching, but it just took me a long time to realize that um, sharing my knowledge in art is my mission, but I didn't go to school to become an art educator. But I believe that as an art educator, I, I'm teaching based on the, um, the, my experience. Without my experience, like, you know, work, work experience, job experience, I don't think I can able to teach. So I think mm -hmm. as an educator, I'm just sharing my knowledge in arts based on my experience, based on my 22 professional teaching experience. That's not one way to teach things. There's so many, 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 many ways to, to share or to teach other students how to do things. So I, I enjoy it. I mean, I, I enjoy sharing my knowledge in arts with other people. You know, I'm just a, I keep telling my student, you know, I'm not, I'm not a, you know, I'm not a professional, you know, professor. I just, I'm just a shadow artist. You know, I'm just being, I think the secret of being successful artists is remain humble. You know, that's, that's how I learned it from my mentors. I have uh, two greatest mentors, Zhao Ming Wu and Henry Yan. And I have been studying with them for the past 15 years. They are one of the legendary uh, masterful artists. So Zhao Ming Wu. Henry Yen. So yeah, uh, I'm look, familiar with both of them as well. Uh, social media. Yeah, yeah, they're amazing. So you said you didn't go to school to study teaching. What was the department you studied in? I went to uh, Academy of Art University in the illustration department. Um, mm. I let me share this story with you. Um, when I was in high school, in the high school, there's only like two art classes, right? fine arts and graphic design. Um, I went, you know, I was, I think in the early, what, early 1990s. 
So in high school, there's only like fine arts and graphic design. Graphic design, you know, you do something more like, you know, a poster, a, a, a CD cover, or um, however, the fine arts, you have to paint the stupid plastic flower, plastic banana. So mm -hmm. I don't like that. Like, that's not my thing. I don't like to paint the plastic flower. You know, I don't, I never paint flower, a plastic flower, or plastic fruit, things like that. So I thought, you know, that's only two, that was only two major when I was in, you know, younger, you know, graphic design, fine art. So of course I like the graphic design more compared to the stupid, you know, plastic flower painting that. <laughs> so I thought that's only two yeah. major, graphic design, fine art. After I graduated from um, high school, and then um, my whole family moved to California, San Francisco. And then I went to the graphic design department at Academy of Art University. I made an appointment and, um, you know, with the graphic design uh, director. I don't remember her name or his name, but I remember um, the director looked at my portfolio and then he or she told me that, Oliver, I don't think graphic design is your major. And I was like, I was so panicked. I said, what are you talking about? You know, I don't want to do fine arts. And then, you know, he or she said, no, 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 wait, hold on one second. I, I think you're more than graphic designer. I said, what does that mean? Is that a good thing or bad thing? I mean, I don't want to become a fine artist because I don't want to paint the plastic flower, you know, <laughs> plastic fruit. So he uh, or it she, cracks me up what your impression of a fine artist was back then. I've never even, I, I mean, I've never oh, even heard this not, stereotype before. One who paints plastic flowers. <laughs> yeah, that's a stupid high school. You know, I, I believe that they don't have enough money to buy the real food. Right, right. Real, you know, that was in high school. What, you know, I was like, I, I got the wrong impression about uh, what is what, what was fine arts, you know, when I was right, a teenager. Right. So, and then, you know, uh, the graphic this the graphic design director introduced me to illustration. So I went to the illustration building and then I see a lot of like example in the hallway, the illustration department at Academy of Art University. I love it. I, you know, I love it. And I make appointment with the director. Um, her name was uh, Melissa Marshall. So, you know, she, she took me around and then she said, this is illustration. And then I have absolutely no idea what was illustration. You know, that's, a, you know, I just opened my mind that, okay, that's more than two departments, graphic design, fine art, then illustration. So that's how I joined the illustration department. And I spent four years, um, you know, four years experience there, learn how to become an illustrator. So I learned a lot and I thought I, I would like to become a illustrator, but I didn't. And then I end up, you know, I worked for George Lucas for four years after I graduated as the illustrator, but I didn't. My goal was trying to become an illustrator to do uh, children's book illustration. That was my goal when I was in college. You know, we all, you know, you, you, you pick a major in, in art university, but, you know, usually it didn't end up the way that, mm -hmm. you know, you pet. So, so I didn't, um, you know, I didn't, um, you know, do any children's book illustration. However, I worked for George Lucas and then I, you know, I, I spent, I, I spent almost like four years, you know, worked on the, you know, computer games industry. So my first computer games was uh, called Outlaws. So that was, you know, I was doing a, a G-Paint 
background painting, G-Paint is a cheap version of the Photoshop. So, you know, and that was an amazing experience. And what uh, year was this that you started doing that, the video game stuff? Uh, I think beginning of the 1996, I think March, 19, March 8, I, I, I still remember the dates, March 8, 1996, because I graduated 1995, December. And then I told myself that, oh, I deserve a break. You know, I was a, I was a teenager. I was in early 20s. I was like, okay, I don't want to work. I deserve a break. So I took a, you know, a couple of months to, you know, for a longer, long, longest vacation before yeah. I started work uh, for George Lucas. So how did you come, how did you come to, to uh, work in the video game industry? So I'm assuming the George Lucas thing and the video game industry is one and the same. No, well, George Lucas owns a lot of companies, so I didn't know, you know, I just graduated from the illustration department. And then, um, you know, George uh, Lucas Arts, which is George Lucas, one of the computer games company. Okay. So he owns so many companies. And I, uh, all those companies share the similar project. Like, you know, I worked on the Star Wars episode one at Lucas Arts. So, and I, at that time, they came to Academy of Art University. They picked a portfolio. I think uh, they collect 20 students' portfolio. And then they picked three students out of those 20 portfolio. And they, they, they asked those three. I was, one of, I was lucky enough to be one of those three. And they, they asked three of us to um, travel all the way to San Rafael, which is like um, half an hour, 40 minutes away from San Francisco to San Rafael to take a two days exam. Two days exam. I just like, my God, an wow! Exam. I didn't know. What kind of an exam? exam? Yes, two days exam. The first day, I remember I walk in. It was so dark. It was a computer games company. It was so dark. I was just like, <laughs> yeah. why do people work in so dark? It just like this, you know. They They're are, like a they, bunch of angsty teenagers in front of their TVs in dark rooms. I know this because I also worked in the video game industry, and I'll tell you about that when you're done with your story. But yeah, but go ahead and finish. Yeah. So, that was a two days exam, you know, two days exam. The first day people came by and talked to me, but you know, I had a mission. I have a project. I have an exam. So they were like, you know, I was trying to be nice and then, but I only have like what, uh, eight hours, uh, no, six hours actually, three hours before lunch and three hours after lunch to finish my day one exam. So they gave me, um, they gave me 20 different subjects. Uh, subject and object, objects, object, I'm sorry, objects, and then put all those 20 different objects into a background or, uh, you know, uh, environment to tell a story. At that time, back to 1995, there was no internet. There's no internet, um, Google or something like that. So I remember I have to draw everything out of my imagination. So, but again, I only have six hours to you know, to execute all my ideas onto your paper. And and remember that so many people come by and talk to me during those six hours. That was a day one and I cannot tell them that, you know, go away, I have, I only have six hours, so leave me alone. No, because I, you know, now I look back, I really, you know, I noticed that people, you know, so many people, you know, came by and actually interviewed me in person as well. They want to see, oh, do I want to work with this Oliver Sin or yeah. not? So, you know, I have to add it out, be nice and try to be friendly and nice. And they, they're actually looking at you, how you handle the pressure. 
So, you know, that was day one. And day two was even more intense. Day two um, is very, very similar. Day one, they didn't give me any, you know, any style. Day two, they asked me to do something more cartoony style. Um, I think in the industry, it's called wonky. Uh, so they asked me to do a wonky layout. Layout is more like the rough version of the background. Background, you see a lot of background on the, you know, on any of the Disney movie. Background is kind of like in color. It's kind of finished. Um, background is kind of like finished layout, which is like um, very tight and um, in color. Mm -hmm. So you don't see a lot of like layout in, you know, on the movie. So layout is a rough version of the background. So they asked me to do um, a cartoony style, wonky style layout. And also I have to add color within six hours. It's a brand new, brand new layout on day two. So I remember that was a very, very rewarding experience because I didn't know. I didn't know that I have to take an exam. Um, you know, now I look back, I, I, I know that why they have to ask those people to do the exam because, you know, they worry that I might borrow someone's portfolio and apply for the job. So, you right. know, it's a good idea to test the, you know, the artist, how well they can able to work under pressure. You know, it's very, very important as a professional. You know, we all have to learn how to, you know, work under pressure. I often tell my student, you know, you get a job doesn't mean you can keep a job. You know, it sounds like it sounds so negative, but it's true. You know, just like you need to learn how to make your clients happy and how well you can handle pressure. It's not easy, you know, but, you know, mm. we, we all have to learn how to deal with pressure. Yeah. So how was your experience? I'm going to turn the table and interview you. How was the experience <laughs> for you today? So, well, my, what happened with me was uh, a little bit different, but also a lot of similarities. I was drawing one day during my senior year at the University of Utah in a model class. And this guy was a little bit older than me. I was an old student. I was probably close to 28 at that point. And he comes up to me and says, hey, you know, I work for Avalanche Software, which was one of a uh, Disney company. And uh, I just do, I'm a concept artist for video games and you could work there based on your drawing portfolio. I was like, no, I want to be a fine artist. And he's like, well, <laughs> you should just check it out. So then I went home and I told my wife about it. And uh, he had, he had told me you could make like, you know, this was 20 years ago. And he said, you're more than 20 years ago. He said, you could make 20, 120 a year. And I'm like, whoa, you know, that's pretty awesome. But no, I still want to be a fine artist. So I went home and told my wife that, and she's like, Jeff, I've been supportive up till now, but it, this is an art job. You can be an artist and make money. <laughs> and I was like, so you want me to do it? She said, I think you should try it. So I did, I, 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 I went there, they did hire me and they were training me to be a concept artist, but I only got, I only was there for two months and I didn't like it at all. I mean, the people there were great. As far as jobs go, it was the best job I'd ever had, but I didn't like it. I didn't want to do it. And it was funny because when you described how dark it was, that's what that's the way it was. They put me in a room with two other guys or a girl and a guy, and we all had our own computers and the lights were turned off and we just sat in yeah. there for eight or 10 hours. And I was like, dude, this, no windows, nothing. And there were rooms like that all over the place. 
I was like, this is crazy. I, I is depressing, but it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't for me, but man, did I work with some talented people? Holy cow. They could make stuff up out of their heads that I couldn't even, even hold. I couldn't hold a candle to them. I mean, incredible artists in the animation industry. So yeah, it was fun, but only lasted two months. And then I quit, oh. started doing the fine art thing. And fortunately that worked out. Jeff, may I ask you, would you tell your student, I mean, I, I have been teaching in the um, 2D animation department for more than 20 years at Academy of University. We do have a major called Visual Development 2D Animation. So my question for you, Jeff, so I'm the interviewer. <laughs> <laughs> so would you tell your student, um, well, since you worked as a concept artist, well, I never How, got there. I was being trained, but yeah, I, okay. yeah. So what if, you know, let's say I'm a student and say, Jeff, Professor Jeff, um, I would like to become a, a concept artist. How would you tell your student, like if someone approached you and say, Jeff, Professor Jeff, I want to become a, a concept artist. Do you think it's easy to, to become a concept artist? How important the role of the uh, the concept artist role in the industry is that like as is it for the you know uh, for beginner or as very very high highest level as an art director? What would you tell your student? Oh, I this is just I mean I was only there for two months, but my perception was that the concept artists were the gods of the office. They were they were it. They were the bee's knees. Yeah, like everyone aspired to be a concept artist and the concept artists were the ones who basically made the video games and everyone else were the workers. It was like they decided who the, what the characters were, what the backgrounds would look like, everything. And then they had all the other people make it happen. But I mean, I want if, if I had to do anything, it would be concept artist because it was, yeah, like I said, it was the top position in my opinion as far yeah. as the art goes obviously the owner of the company's top position but as far as the artists go yeah they were the they were the most talented in the office those concept Thanks. artists yeah it's Thank a you. hard thing me. it's a hard thing to do and i don't know if i ever would have gotten there because they can just make anything up and it just blew my mind i i was good at i am and was pretty good at drawing from observation but these guys just pull this stuff out of their heads it's like a whole different, a whole different discipline, and incredibly takes a it, it takes a ton of skill. Excellent. I'm glad that Jeff and I have the you know same opinion. We are, we yeah. speak the same language. I keep telling the students say, you know they they went to school they want to become a concept artist after they graduate on their resume their objective is become a concept artist, and I say wow this is so innocent. You know, you tell people that I'm a concept artist right after you graduate. Oh, my God. <laughs> you tell people that I'm an art director. Hire me. It's just like, this is bullshit. I'm, no. Can I say that? I mean, unless you're some kind of freak prodigy, I suppose it's possible. But you'd have to be a rare, rare prodigy to just jump right out yeah. of school into a concept artist role. Good. I hope that there's a lot of students watching, you know. This oh, year. I'm sure there are. I bet a huge so number of my followers are that, students. Oh, I, I'm a concept artist. I went, to, I went to school and I graduated now. I'm a concept artist. Concept artist is, is, high, is the highest 
highest level art job in the in the art department like you know as as high as the art director yeah so, yeah that's you know, how it felt to me no one ever said that to me but you could see the respect i mean it was obvious just by walking around the office who was yeah. who was important but the but to give students hope though I mean, I did just sitting there drawing the figure, I did have someone from this company come to me and say, you could be a concept artist, let us train you. So yeah, I didn't walk into the office as a concept artist, it probably would have taken me years to get there. But my drawing skills at least caught the attention of other concept artists in the company and said, we could train this guy to become a concept artist. And that was their, what they attempted to do, but I gave up after 20 after two months, I not gave up, but I decided I didn't want to after two months. So because there is hope, but you got to pay your dues. I mean, you're not going to just, right. you're not likely to just walk right in and get the job. Correct. I agree with you because you have amazing drawing skills. That's why they see the potential. They can train you as a concept artist easily because you have the professionals. I mean, you have the traditional, you know, amazing drawing skills. That's why they hire me at LucasArts. Yeah. You know, I didn't know. I didn't know. At that time, there's no computer skills. That's, I didn't even learn how to use a computer back to early 1990s. And then LucasArts, you know, they hired me. And then I asked them. I remember the person hired me. Um, his name is Peter Chen. Peter Chen, he's still in the industry. And I always remember him. He's one of my greatest mentors, you know, when I was younger. So... He hired me and then he told me that, Oliver, do you know why I hire you? Because you know how to draw. You know, they cannot train a person how to draw at work anymore. So you need to know how to draw. Sketching skill, drawing skills is the non-negotiable requirement. So it's very, very important. Um, he told me, Peter told me that I hire you because you know how to draw and I can train you how to use the computer. Computer is just a tool. So I'm so happy that I went to school to become a traditional artist. Not like nowadays, I have to do a lot of like digital, you know, sketching. You know, I'm sure Jeff and I, you know, have a similar opinion about traditional drawing skills and digital drawing skills. Computer is just a tool. Yeah. I mean, traditional drawing skill is irreplaceable. So if we know how to draw, you know, of course we can able to use a computer. It's just a tool. Yeah. But nowadays, the student, they don't know how to draw, but they want to find a shortcut by doing a lot of like digital art. You know, to me, it doesn't work. I'm just, I'm just being old fashioned. What is your opinion on that? No, Jeff? I think uh, you're spot on. And, you know, a thought that came to mind, I just did a, an interview with uh, one of my regular guests. His name's Micah Christensen, and he's an amazing art historian. I don't know if you've heard these pod or these episodes, but if you haven't, you should check them out. He's talked I about did. lots of great, I... did you? Yeah, he ju we just talked about Soroya, and we talked about Soroya's education. And one of the things that kept coming up in the conversation is, and kind of the point of it is, is Soroya, you know, this god of painting that we perceive him to be, or did he come up from nothing to something? I think it's a little bit of both, but it was interesting the comments I got after where people had all these theories as to why we don't have the, the same quality of artists as we did in the 19th century. I don't necessarily agree with that, but th there is an argument to be made there. And, you know, I think 
as we're talking here and me remembering back to my time in the animation department or in this uh, training to be a concept artist, I think the reason, one of the reasons we may not be seeing these great multi-figure painters that we saw in the 19th century is because they're in the animation departments. Mm -hmm. Like they're not painters because I, I'm telling you, these guys were doing things that were so hard. I don't know if I ever would have been able to do it. I mean, it's so difficult. Some of the things that they were able to do just out of their imagination, I kind of wonder if those guys lived 150 years ago and they ended up being painters, if they would have been the Waterhouses and the Soroyas and all these other great multi-figure painters. Because multi-figure painting is another level of painting. It's so sure. hard, right? And I think yeah. that all those, all that a lot of those artists might just be in different fields. They might be in animation. They might be concept artists. They might be filmmakers. They might be, um, I don't know. What do you think? Well, I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, I work with so many animators, all those, um, you know, back to early, um, 1990. And I can tell you one thing is, you know, no matter what major they were in college, they're very, very passionate. I remember, you know, um, those, those people that I work with, they're, uh, they're Canadian. They're very, very passionate. You know, after nine to six, um, you know, we work really, really hard and then they stayed late and then we, you know, they, they do group, uh, figure drawing together every day. Yeah. And we did we, the same thing. Yeah. Oh my God. I, you know, I, they inspired me because I was in the early twenties because I didn't know, you know, I, I didn't know. And they just say, Oh, Oliver, do you want to come and join us for a figure drawing? I say, but I'm tired. You know, I was in the, in my twenties. I said, wow, wow. They invited me. I should go. And then, you know, they, they helped me to, you know, they keep practicing our traditional drawing skill. I'm, you know, I was so lucky to, you know, to hang out with them and they are, they're very, very passionate. You know, I could have just, you know, um, you know, went to the bar and drinking after work and, <laughs> but I didn't, you know, I, I'm so grateful that I met those Canadian animators. They all graduate from Sheraton's, um, you know, in Canada, that's a very, very famous, uh, animation school. So I think, you know, I keep telling my student, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm teaching my student based on my, my experience. I think if you are passionate, like Jeff, you are very, very passionate and you have absolutely no idea. Well, I'm, I'm not trying to kiss your ass, but I remember <laughs> all your painting. You always use a, you know, a crazy complimentary reflected light, com you know, all those, you know, uh, secondary light source as a, you know, complementary color. I remember I, I, I was a huge fan of your painting before I submit my artwork to Portrait Society. I know we oh, were thank you. So I remember that, oh my God, oh my God, you know, and then I, you know, I met you and then we have a talk and, you know, uh, last time at the Portrait Society and that's why I'm here. So it, it well, was, the respect uh, is mutual. I, I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I remember I, I, you know, I, I'm a huge fan. I want you, you to know that I'm a huge fan. You, you have absolutely no idea your painting that I've seen at the Portrait Society, you know, um, was a, my 
greatest inspiration. So it's a surreal that surreal moment that I'm talking to you right now, Jeff. So oh, thank, thank you, you. and that you. makes my day. I appreciate that. And like I said, uh, the feelings no, mutual. <laughs> the feelings mutual. Well, you know, another thing you, when you were talking about their dedication in the office of these uh, animators, another thing that was crazy is I show up around ten o'clock. They had this kind of loose schedule where you could come and go as you please, just get the job done. But mm -hmm. I'd show up and people would be getting up off their couch and they had slept there all night. And it was, yeah, <laughs> they would make, I'm like, wait, do you have a family? Yeah, I've got a family, but you know, I got to get this job done and I want it to be good. And they would just sleep there night after night just to get the job done right. And uh, it, their dedication was next level. Amazing. Yeah, Same next things. level. I mean, looking at them, they have, we all have the personal life. We all have family. We have to go home. But sometimes you look at that dedication, you look at that passion. I, I find it is very, very inspiring. I think that is something to inspire a lot of peoples out there, not just the students. And, and just like you and I work extremely hard. We are very, very passionate. Um, one day people out there will, you know, will value you. You know, it just, it is, it's all about the timing. You know, one day if you, you know, keep working on something that you enjoy doing it. And one day people out there, they will value you. They will, they, they will appreciate you. So don't ever give up. You know, that's the, I, I think that's the message that I want to tell, you know, the audience or the people or my student or people out there, don't ever give up, you know, your, your time will come. So keep on drawing, keep on painting, be passionate and, um, you know, respect arts. So, um, you know, that's why, you know, I always tell my students, I'm, who am I? I'm just a shadow artist. I share my knowledge in, in art with other people. I think that, you know, if you're passionate, people out there, they can smell it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, man, that, that, that's a great conversation. I never expected we'd go into the animation angle there. So <laughs> I, that's the first time we've talked about that on the show. Um, so that was really interesting. Yeah. So I want to get a little bit, just back up a little bit. Maybe we kind of skimmed over your childhood, but I'm just curious. You said you came from China, right? Yeah. Am so, I the first Chinese artist on the podcast? I think so, huh? Um, you, let me see. Kuang Ho, Kuang Ho is, is Vietnamese. Vietnamese, right. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess you might. I think you are, yeah. Good. So tell Honor. me about tell me about that. What brought you to America? <laughs> so um, I've I've I study abroad. I study um, my. I'm the one of the youngest child in the, in my family. I have two oldest brothers, and my parents are workaholic. So uh, once we turn eighteen, or you know, I think my bro I think sixteen or something. My parents sent us, you know, uh, all three of us, you know, uh, study abroad. So I was a foreign student in Toronto, At Canada. At 16? Yeah. Was that so scary? Oh, of course, of course. Oh, I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned that part. I would have been scared out of my oh. mind at 16. I struggled to go to college at 17. Well, I guess that's uh -huh. only one year later, but. <laughs> so, um, my parents, they're not watching, but I, I remember. I'm not getting emotional, just so you know, but I, I'm, I'm still very, very thankful and grateful for what they did to me 
but I remember I was super, super scared. I, I can tell you because Jeff, you asked me, I went to bed crying every night. And then I woke up and I have tears in my eyes because I was so homesick. I was just a teenager and I was in the school dorm and I was like, and I guess that's the reason, you know, I guess that's, that was the reason why it made me stronger now because when I was a teenager, I was like, no one helped me. I was just so scared. I, my parents just bought a ticket and then just sent me and I was on the airplane by myself when I was a 16 or 17, 16 or 17 on the airplane alone. And then I, you know, I just have that airplane ticket on my hand. And then I said, who's going to pick me up? Well, someone's going to pick you up. And I felt like that, okay, so I'm on my own. So of course my, you know, I was 17, 16, you know, now, you know, people would say, oh, it must be very, very fun for you because you were a teenager. But however, I was so scared. So, you know, that was the fact that I went to bed crying every night because I was homesick. I felt like I don't even speak the language. Of course, teenager, easier to pick up the language. But still, you know, I was speak out inside. But, you know, my dad is going to turn 90. I mean, I there's something that I cannot able to tell them that, you know, that was my childhood. I was scared growing up. You know, I went to bed crying every night because, you know, I don't, I don't have a family. I feel like that. Why my, my parents sent me away? Oh, but it is, it is common to my brother. I'm sure both of my brother may understand how I feel, how I felt when I was a teenager. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm lucky that I have their support now, but I never, I never, you know, talk about this with with them or with my parents. You know, until this moment, Jeff, you asked me, "Oh, it must be mm. very, very scary moment." It was, it was how scary, and um, but I can't even imagine. Was, I can't even because yeah. I just when I was seventeen, I was a young student. I started at kindergarten at four, and mm-hmm. um, so I graduated from high school at seventeen, and I was way immature. And my parents sent me to Idaho because they wanted me to go to a Christian school in Idaho. And uh, I did not want to go. I had a girlfriend and everything else, but I spoke the language for crying out loud. And it was still in the country. And I was crazy homesick. I can't even imagine what it was like for you leaving your entire country, literally going on the other end of the of the world, not speaking a word of English and yeah. being a year younger. Yeah. Yeah. Kudos so, to you, man. You are a tough, dude. I mean, you might have been crying, but you did it. Yeah. I mean, that was the fact. I mean, I'm. I'm 50. I don't, I'm not ashamed of what happened in my past, but yeah. you know, I hope that I, I don't mind to open my mouth and talk about it. I find it is an inspiration for other people to hear like, you know, um, I, I don't speak English, but you know, I, 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 I didn't go to school to become an art educator, but you know, I try extremely hard to open so many doors for myself. You know, I'm not a writer, but I have my art book. I am not, uh, you know, educator, but you know, I, I still, I have been teaching for 20 something years and I, you know, English is not my first language, but I have been living here for 30 something years. I speak, you know, two or three languages. So I sometimes, you know, I'm, I turn fifties. I, I have to give myself credit. Yeah. And of course I have, um, 
identity crisis because I was too young, and then I I felt like I'm a ban you know I felt like I was a banana banana that means yellow outside white inside because I was teenager and I you know I grew up in Canada and America, and then my my thought process my thinking um, is more Caucasian or more Western, hmm. and you know sometimes at night I feel like you know, why, you know, why am I in yellow skin? Because, you know, I live here for so many, you know, 30 something years. Sometimes it, it took me a long time to realize that Oliver, you're Chinese. And now, you know, I'm in my, for the past five or 10 years. And I think my teacher, um, Zhao Ming Wu and Henry Yan, you know, they are legendary, masterful Chinese artists. I think they inspire me. I'm so happy that I learned so much from them more than, you know, not the artistic skills, but as a human being, I think they opened my eyes to realize that why I'm on earth, why I'm here. I'm Chinese artist. I have to, you know, true to myself. I'm not, I'm no longer a banana. You know, I am Chinese. So I'm so proud that, you know, to tell my audience that I'm Chinese, you know, I'm a Chinese immigrant who live in America. So you, you know, it's okay to judge me. I mean, it's, it's totally fine. I mean, so it, um, so that's that is great. something that I'm, I'm so proud of myself. You know, it took me a long time to, to give credit to, to my culture, to myself. And I'm proud to tell my audience that I'm Chinese. I'm not, I am, I'm not a banana. <laughs> is there a replacement fruit we could put in there like lemon yellow on the outside yellow on the inside something <laughs> i don't know that's my student i always i i always ask them i always give some extra credit to my students so to figure that part out <laughs> yeah that's great so, man i, mean, I appreciate I it I, thank you thank you i no, appreciate I, being honest that was awesome yeah so, yeah so you say you're not a teacher but you've been teaching for 20 21 years or 22 years what is it years what does it take for you to feel like a teacher when is that going to happen uh i yeah i think life is full of a lot of surprises yeah. i keep telling my student you don't know you don't you really really don't know i i'm I just have to take a minute to thank each one of my generous patrons for your part in keeping this podcast going. I could not continue to do it without you, so thank you so much. If you're not a patron yet, but you love the show and you listen regularly, please consider becoming a patron. It's really easy to do, and it doesn't have to break the bank. Just head over to theundrapedartist.com and click on the link, Be My Patron on Podbean. And then choose a monthly donation amount that fits your budget. It's that simple. And to thank you for your generous donations, once you've reached $100 in total contributions, send me an email to theundrapedartist at gmail.com and I will send you one of our spectacular undraped artist aprons. Some, some, some students approach me, Oliver, I want to become a teacher. And I say, I don't know, you asked the wrong person. Um, I, I just enjoy doing art. I just, I just good at drawing. I just good at sketching, and I keep saying that I, if I don't have my previous experience, the prior experience, you know, work experience, I don't think I can able to teach. And 
it's hard for other people to understand. I this is my philosophy. I'm holding a cup right here. So what comes out of the cup is for my students, for you all, my students. What is what's the cup inside the cup is mine. So I have to keep my cup full. So I'm lucky I have two mentors to keep my cup full. And mm. then it because my student gonna drink all the tea or water inside the cup. So that's something that I teach myself. I have to keep this full. That's why I have my mentors. And I guess I wouldn't say I'm a professional teacher because I, I, I learn things every day. I, you know, you taught me a lot of things. You know, you have absolutely no idea, Jeff, watching you doing a demo on stage at Portrait Society three hours. I sat there. Um, so I was like, oh my God. I mean, I never met you. I never, you know, I don't know you, but, and I want to say, Jeff, I learned so much sitting there watching your demo and talking. And that was one of the highlights from the Portrait Society events because you make that three hours event extremely fun and you are, <laughs> hil you are hilarious. Well, it helps, hilarious. To, it helps to be up there with Rose Franson. Her, her and I could joke around for hours. <laughs> I like that. I like that. If yeah. I don't, you know, if that was my first time at the Portrait Society conference and I wouldn't like you, let me, allow me to say that. I say, okay, he's not serious. He's not serious. He's not professional. He jokes every five seconds. I hate, I hate Jeff. But after I attend the conference more than three times, four times, and, and I learned so much. I've, I I am I appreciate you. I think that you make that three hours lecture and that experience very very enjoyable for me. You no, know, because I appreciate I've been that more than you know three years, four years, and sometimes you know some of the you know sometimes I just only stay there for like a couple minutes or five minutes, but for your performance, I stayed there for a whole entire you know three hours, and then remember at the end I came by and and I yep. told you that Jeff. You're hilarious. I love <laughs> I mean, yeah, I learned a lot. So I, I, I keep telling my students, I learned, I learn things every day because, you know, I, I need to be more funny. I, I'm, I'm not a teacher teacher. I'm, I'm not, I'm not like, oh, uh, it's my way or freeway. You know, I'm not that kind of teacher anymore. You know, in the beginning of teaching, I, I was, you know, listen to me. I'm the teacher. Listen to me. But no, after 22 years teaching, I become more, I want to become a, um, a person who inspire other students that, you know, I want to become an ins inspiration. I don't want to become a teacher because sometimes the teacher sounds like, oh, you have to listen to him, you know, you know, but, um, I want to inspire them. So that's why I wouldn't call myself. I am a, I'm a, a educator or a teacher. I'm just like, I just want to show you how I, you know, how I draw, how I paint or how I do things. You know, you find it inspirational, good for you. If you find it, oh, all of us full of shit, it's okay as well. So, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just a shallow artist. You know, I just, I just want to share what's inside my cup with other people. So that's why I, you know, I, I don't want to tell my student, oh, call me Professor Sin or 
you know, I'm, I'm just sharing my knowledge and knowledge with others. Yeah. That's all. That cup analogy is great. And, you know, <laughs> it's particularly relevant to me because I just had someone sign up for my online atelier. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, um, that was me. Yeah. <laughs> please don't. I'd be too intimidated to teach you. But my students would sure love to have you there. But anyway, so I had someone sign up um, recently who asked me a question during one of the critiques. So I critique every Friday, all of my students. And uh, they said, can we, if we have questions during the week, can we get a critique during the week? Well, and I said, I felt so bad, but I said, I can't do that. I would never paint again. And, and then she seemed so disappointed. And because, I mean, if you have 30 students online and you can't and you can't just have a revolving door and have your phone on all the time and get ready to jump on Zoom every second because you'd never get anything done. I said to her, I promise you, you don't want me to stop painting. If I stop painting, I'm useless to you. And I really believe that because like you like you illustrated it with your analogy, if my cup gets empty, then you then I have nothing to give you. And so I need to keep up on it. I need to be, I need to stay the best artist that I can be so I can teach my students how to be an artist. I think that's what you're getting at with the analogy. I appreciate you. I appreciate what you told your student. How long have you been teaching, uh, Jeff? Well, I've been teaching since 2002. We're pretty much living the same life, man. I've been almost, so, but I've only been teaching privately. I've had, I've got the Hein Atelier. I had 12 apprentices. I've had apprentices most of that time and or just so classes but i started teaching online a year and a half ago in the middle of the pandemic and um mm -hmm. but it wasn't it wasn't because my in-person students were gone it was because someone presented the idea to me i thought well maybe i'll give it a shot and i turn it turns out i like it so so yeah, i've been teaching online for, for a year and a half yeah but i've been teaching in person for 20 plus years 22 years wow uh, 22 years or 20 you like years. it Oh, I, I could not live without teaching because I, I am a social person. I'm more of an extrovert and I just, I'd be miserable if I was alone all the time. And that sounds like a ridiculous reason. It should be because I want to spread the knowledge. It's that too. But if I'm being honest with myself, I don't have an option. I have to have a community mm -hmm. around me and, um, teaching is a good way to maintain a positive art community. I like that, the fact that we are different, you know, we are all different individual. I am an introvert and I didn't, I hated fine arts. <laughs> However, you start as fine arts, you're extroverts, I'm an introvert. I don't like to talk, but you know, um, you inspire me on the stage at the Portrait Society. I say, wow, Jeff is so fun. He's hilarious. He makes the learning experience very, very enjoyable. And, you know, I, I think, you know, it's, it just amazing. I'm, I'm just, I find it is very, very um, amazing to, to know so many different people through arts, yeah. like, including you. And, you know, I just appreciate your, your time and, you know, your knowledge in art and you sharing your knowledge in art with, you know, your students. I think they're very, very lucky to, to have you as the teachers. Ditto. In fact, People bring you up in my online class all the time, particularly when we get to the planes assignment. So this is actually a good segue. <laughs> yeah, man, hey, you're freaking hey. famous, dude. You're famous. Um, no, no. 
but particularly when we get to the planes assignment, because you have, I don't know, I don't know if you call it unique. I mean, other people use this principle, it, but you use planes in a almost religiously. It seems to be the way that you think. You think sculpturally when you draw more than more than many draftsmen. So let's talk about that. Let's go to your work right now and maybe talk about your process a little bit. So I'm going to just scroll through here for a sec, just so people who haven't seen your work, this is your Instagram account, which is uh, simply Oliver Sin. And um, you're, I, I mean, it goes without saying, your drawing skills are second to none. They're just incredible. Thank you. You're too kind. Thank you. Incredible. But so here's my question. One of, well, I've got <laughs> lots of questions. How did you come to think in the way that you do in this, in this uh, more sculptural, planar approach to drawing? I think, you know, I went to school for four years. I think that's something that they taught us as well. And as a professional artist, so all those knowledge has been out there for, you know, how many times that people talk about shape, value, every single teacher would talk the same language. Yeah. But I heard about shape, plane change, you know, um, in college all the time in art school, but I didn't really, really take it shape and plane change seriously. Mm -hmm. So, and, and I think, Shape and plane chain, they are the basic fundamental of the, of the face. You know, that's a, you know, drawing faces is my, you know, my subject. To me, people are the most fascinating subject to study and to draw. That's the reason why I like to draw faces. Um, to me, that is no boring faces since there are millions of the different faces in this world. Even with the same person takes on many looks of different expression or, ex, you know, different lighting, different clothing, you know, to me, all hats looks different. And yet they have, you know, we all have two eyes and two ears, one nose, one mouth. But I think, you know, that's, that's the inspiration. That's the motivation why I pick, you know, like to draw faces because, mm -hmm. you know, I find that is the people are the most fascinating subject you know especially in the face especially i love to see the winkle winkle it tells a story so i heard about shape and plane change in in college but i didn't really really um you know took my time and you know embrace shape and plane change so and i spent like almost like two or three years to you know, to invest my time and study shape and plane change. And then I, I've heard about the John Asaro had plane change hat. And I hope one day I can able to meet John Asaro. I know he lived in San Diego, California in the late eighties. So, you know, that's, I think John Asaro um, definitely is my inspiration in terms of like, you know, the knowledge of shape and plane change. So I guess everybody have the, how they call it, you know, access. So I think shape and plane change is definitely my thing, and I like to embrace that. And I remember that I um, I did one DVD with the Streamline, and they asked me to spend like two days to talk about shape and plane change. I said, are you serious? Are you really, really, really want me to talk about that boring shape and plane change? 
and they say yes because no one talk about that. It seems like it's a secret. It's it's not a secret. I'm sure Jeff, you know that. You know, you heard about most of the teacher talk about you know shape, plane change before they talk about light and shadow value.、Mm-hmm. So you know, I I'm so lucky. I mean, most of the, my students they're watching. They you know they know me. I'm real authentic. And you know, I'm I can tell Jeff you you and I. Very very similar teaching wise because I can tell you are tough and you are tough and you give honest constructive criticism. So when I was start teaching,、um, I act like that. Now I don't. You know, I usually give. You know, I'm not getting a little softer teaching wise, but you know, sometimes I I like to inspire the student. You know, if they're interested in knowing more, it's up to them. But I cannot force them. So now. After 22 years teachings, and I I decide I like to give them suggestions. I like to encourage them to do things, but I cannot force them because, you know, who am I? You know, I can only lead them to you know just like I can only lead the horse to the to the river to the to the water, but I cannot force them to drink if they don't.、No. They're not. So, my. My teaching method change. I'm I I like to inspire them more. I like to encourage them. Oh, you should do something like this. I would like to encourage them. You know, as an encouragement. I don't want to force them. I don't want them to. You know, oh, you have to do this. You know, my way or freeway. I mean, I you know, I I I I no longer doing that. You know, in the beginning of my teaching, I did. So shape and plane change. It definitely is something that I'm very very good at, and I think. I would like to keep telling my student to know more about shape and plane change before they do, you know, light and shadow rendering. I'm sure a painter, when you know you are you are fine arts painter, you know, painting is about painting shape and plane change with the biggest brush. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it is my approach is different than yours, though, and that's why it's so fascinating. While I do think about the plane changes in the way that you draw them. And I do teach this as an assignment, but、mm. I don't teach it religiously. My my foundation, my foundation is focused more on the notan, the light and dark pattern, and、mm. so and one isn't better than the other. I I don't think that it's about that. It's just a different way of seeing. And what I find the reason I'm drawn to the light and dark pattern approach to seeing. There's two reasons. One, because it lends itself to paint a little bit, at least for me,、mm-hmm. because because you know paint is a clumsier tool. You put in large masses of value in order to draw, and but also because it, I find it helps me to capture a likeness, because that's how we see. We see in value patterns, but what、mm-hmm. you're what you're doing is you're building almost like a wire frame. And not putting value until you've structurally resolved the head, and I would find this really challenging to capture a likeness. But you don't; you capture likenesses still. And so I'm curious about that. I mean, I don't know if you could even answer it, but if you have a comment on what what I'm trying to say about about that idea of a likeness with this method, I'd love to hear it. I think the achieving the likeness is the is the hardest. So we all know that you know achieving a likeness、uh, is the hardest, especially for the portrait drawing. 
but um, I think the secret is, I think I believe that, you know, we all, there's, a tumult, there's so many things that we all believe. Like that's, that's why there's so many different religions. Yeah. You know, so of course, that's what you believe. That's what I believe. Um, I believe that the, I think the accuracy of drawing faces is, I mean, um, the likeness is based on the accuracy of shape. Right. So I'm sure you and I have the same page. So the reason why I like to do this kind of like shape and plane change as a blueprint, because before I was a illustrator, I wanted to become an architect. So I like to do the drafting in high school. That's oh, on top of the, you know, fine art and graphic design. That's a drafting class. I remember in high school, I love the drafting. I love to create that blueprint. So maybe that's the reason why I like to do this kind of shape and plane change as a blueprint. You know, before you hire a contractor to build a house for you, you need to hire an architect to create a blueprint. You know? mm -hmm. So that's the reason why I enjoy doing this kind of like, you know, blueprints before I do the light and shadow. So I have no problem to, uh, to, to keep the lightness of the model because I believe the lightness of the model is based on the accuracy of shape. So if I mess up the shape, then the lightness of the model will, you know, will, will, will not be, it's not successful. So I believe that um, the accuracy of shape is the most important aspect of drawing faces in order to get the, the lightness. Did I answer your question? Yes. What's tricky for me, though, is it's difficult to see the accuracy of shape without separating it into light versus dark. You have a gift to be able to see the shapes accurately when they're not necessarily in context. Because it's, because it's more of a one-to-one -one comparison because I see the model as light and dark and I see my drawing as light versus dark where you're interpreting and making everything light and building an underlying structure. So in a way, you're, you're seeing past the surface information and um, reinterpreting it into a framework. I find that more difficult. So... That's why I asked the question. I think it's um, it's impressive you can see the shape despite having to make that interpretation from surface value to structure. Thank you so much, uh, Jeff. Uh, I appreciate the fact that uh, you gave me a compliment. You asked me a question, but I, I that's the that's also the reason why I attend the Portrait Society conference because you have absolutely no idea how much you open my eyes, Jeff, to see you, you know, did what you do on the stage. And everybody have come up something, have a strength and weakness. Right. So I know that I'm good at doing plain change shape and you are doing painting. So that makes Jeff so unique. That also make Oliver right. a different artist. Yeah, we have different brains. So, different. Yeah, we have different, different brains, different persons. Yeah. So just like we all go to the forest, do you think only one bird sing in the forest? You know, you go to the forest, you hear so many birds, they're all singing. They're all beautifully singing different harmony. So, you know, I, I appreciate you. I, I encourage my students say, you know, that's not just one way to do things. Yeah. Go to the conference and 
get inspired by other people. You know, we all have a strength. You know, just embrace your your strength. You know, and of course, we all have weakness. So right. So I appreciate you know I appreciate yeah. your 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 comment and your suggestions. Um, well, no so. suggestions. I'm not expecting you to change anything. You're doing great. <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't give you any suggestions. Let me see. So I wanted to ask you about one of your drawings down here that I oh found interesting. I found oh my god! I knew it! I knew it! I knew it! I knew it! <laughs> yeah, that's the one. Okay, here's my question. This is another thing that makes us different. I don't think much about anatomy when I look at the face and when I paint it. I, I'm, I'm kind of embarrassed to admit that because I wish I was one of those artists that was just had a mind full of anatomical knowledge and I don't because I can barely remember my own name. I wanted to ask you how much yeah. does anatomy really inform your portraits? Is it significant? Yes. Really? Yes. Yes. Oh, I yes. need to study more. Well, uh, tell me about me that. How is it significant? When I was a student, I hated anatomy class. I remember, you know, at a Cambridge University, no matter what major you were, you have to take two or three classes of anatomy. You know, beginning anatomy, intermediate anatomy, and then advanced anatomy. Uh, the exam for each class, you have to memorize 100 names of the muscle, the function of the muscle, the uh, the origin of the muscle. You have to memorize it, and I hated it. Three classes to study anatomy. So, you know, of course, you know, I have a horrible time. I have to memorize it. I hated it. So now, you know, as a professional artist, and I think anatomy is very, very important. It's important to know. I don't care you're going to be a doctor or not, but I think anatomy knowledge is important to know. So, of mm. course, I don't remember all those anatomy names. So, of course, it's, that's, those are very, very technical names. You have to memorize it. Let me share this with you. I was invited to teach in Florence. Um, you know, for one month, they asked me. Uh, so that was before the pandemic. So I was invited to teach the Florence, uh, the Russian Academy of Arts, you know, they're owned by all those Russian uh, artists. Wow. So they invited me to teach there for one month before the pandemics. Um, I think that was 2019, December. And um, so I returned back to California, San Francisco, I think 2020. Um, but, um, end of January. So I think the pandemic started the end of January 20 in year 2020. So anyway, long story short. So I didn't know. I didn't know. And then they asked me, Oliver, we'd like to invite you and come and stay and live in Florence for one month and teach. Guess what? Anatomy. And it's like, what? Oh, you know, you don't know. You can say no. And then I say, yeah, I think, you know, I know the anatomy. I think what makes my anatomy lecture more interesting is, you know, everybody will give the same anatomy name, the function, you know, it's just boring, but I would make it more interesting, you know, by putting a lot of like, you know, my skills to, in order to make the anatomy lecture more impressive. 
So it's about my drawing skills and then the anatomy lecture. You know, it's easy, you know, Jeff, you have the artistic skills. Memorize all those anatomy names. It just, it just time consuming. A monkey can remember. <laughs> Not this monkey. So, <laughs> yes, you are. You 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 are a knowledgeable monkey. So you know, I could have said no to them, but I did. I accepted it, and then I and then I taught anatomy in Florence, and you know, and I told myself that wow, when I was a student, I hated anatomy, but I didn't know you know that anatomy brought me to you know in Florence, and then I have an amazing experience. You know, teaching one month in Florence. So I hmm. believe that anatomy is very, very important to know. You don't need to remember all those names, but I think the basic, basic anatomy, it is very, very important to know. I believe the knowledge in art is very, very powerful. You don't know what you don't know. The more you know, the less you know. So you have capability, but you just I, I know that the subject anatomy is a little bit boring, but I find it is necessary to know all those anatomy names. You know, that will make your uh, that will make your presentation as an artist more. It sounds more professional because right. you know you're giving all those anatomy names. You know, one person that uh, inspired me for the anatomy is. Uh, uh, Rob Liberace. Oh, brother. I his, uh, yeah, he's a walking encyclopedia. Yeah. yeah, I like that. You know, I sat there. Remember, I told you, you know, I attend all those conferences and, you know, your, I stay for a whole entire time. Rob Liberace, I stay the whole entire time. So I like the, I like the, the vocabularies that he used when he do the presentation. You know, it makes it sound like, oh my God. All those language. I mean, his last name is Liberace. I know. And he was born so, to be an artist with that yes, name. <laughs> yes, yes. You know, I hate my last name. I'm a sinner. I'm the original sinner. So, <laughs> no, your parents were the original. You're off the hook. <laughs> so, you know, that Rob Liberace definitely inspired me to, you know, spend a little bit more time to make my presentation sound more knowledgeable because mm -hmm. you know, we are all selling our artistic skills and on top of that we need to put you know i i'm a huge fan of art history i i believe that all those vocabulary anatomy vocabularies and all those art history knowledge that will make an artist more knowledgeable so that's why i believe in knowledge i think knowledge in art knowledge in anatomy you know, knowledge in color, knowledge in shape and plane change, all those knowledge, they are powerful. So, you yeah. know, that's why I, I love, you know, now I can tell my student, I love anatomy. You know, I'm not crazy about anatomy, but, you know, I like anatomy. I don't hate it. I mean, because it make, it make me sound more knowledgeable because I have that, all those vocabulary. So, mm -hmm. But how do you apply it technically? Can you can you talk us through that a little bit? Sometimes I don't see those, and then I just make it up, you know, because I like. For example, let's put it this way: I like to use John Asaro plane change hat. I often like to use the John Asaro, you know, the John Asaro uh, plane change hat 
as a two side. They're asymmetrical. One has a simple plane change. One has a little bit more complicated one. So I try to apply the simple plane change on my subject, which is, you know, any of the face. Then I try to apply the simple one before I apply the complicated plane change. You know, even though I don't see it, I mean, I cannot able to call John Asaro and say, hey, where is this part? You know, sometimes, you know, I try to apply it and I make it more fun and I just like, okay, maybe that is the, you know, the plane change belongs to this part. You know, I try to experiment. So for the anatomy, I think, you know, we all have the face, you know, all those wrinkle, all those shape and plane change. You talk about the, you know, all those wrinkle. We all have all those simple, simple wrinkle. You know, sometimes we just need to apply all those, the name of the wrinkle. You know, that's no right and wrong. You know, no one going to judge me. I don't think that's any, you know, uh, anatomy teacher will come by and say, hey, Oliver, this is wrong. Uh, this is something that I try to apply just some basic anatomy. You know, I, I'm not an anatomy expert, but I can able to apply some basic anatomy on a simple face. So, okay. you know, I didn't dive in too deep and say, okay, this wrinkle, you know, it just, it's just a, you know, a basic trick to, to get my audience attention, to give me some credit. Oh, Oliver knows a little bit of anatomy. You know, I know a little bit of the anatomy. So I'm not as, you know, uh, crazy as, uh, you know, like I'm not a, um, the knowledge in anatomy, I'm not as strong as, uh, Rob Liberace, you know, because he, his subject is more like the, the whole entire figurative. He, right. you know, I only interested in the anatomy of the face. Of course, I know the, you know, some of the basic neck, sternocleidoid, mastoid, trapezius, you know, neck and shoulder, and then sometime on the upper body. But, you know, I'm not scared of anatomy. So, you know, that's something that I believe that I can able to deal with it, learn about, you know, basic anatomy and learn how to apply to it, even though it's a, you know, boring subject. But you can do it. Yeah, yeah. let's uh, let's look up Robert Liberace real quick. This is Robert Liberace's work. I've drawn lots of figures. And unless he has the most ripped models in the U.S. all the time, what I think Robert Liberace is doing is looking deep below the tissue to find muscles that he can't necessarily see to accentuate the anatomical forms. And I wonder if that's what you're doing with your anatomical anatomy knowledge of the face. Are you looking for things that you can't see and trying to understand the face and actually even drawing subtly things that may not be there based on your anatomical knowledge? That's right. That's right. So as a, so I'm sure you tell your student the same thing. We learn how to draw faces. We learn how to draw figures. We don't see those anatomy there, but this is our job to, to put something we don't see from the, the subject and we put it on a paper yeah. or a, a canvas to inspire other. So if we don't have that experience, how can, you know, sometimes we just, um, exaggerate the anatomy sometimes because we have that experience. So okay. you have to draw what you don't know, you don't see. So that's why you gain that knowledge from practicing. So that's, that's why I also, I admire Rob Liberace. He always have that, you know, the model has a lot of muscle, but you know, to be honest, 
you know, we, we don't see those muscles, but sometimes it's from our experience. We have to put it there to inspire our audience. We, we just illustrate we don't see things in front of us, but we actually have that in our head because we have experience. So that is no substitute from, you know, experience. So you can able to tell he have been drawing figures for more than, you know, a decade or, you know, the whole entire of his life. So, yeah, yeah I think it's based on our experience. So sometimes okay. we exaggerate, you know, like, for example, I often exaggerate the cheekbone. I make the value of the cheekbone a little bit more darker, especially when I draw, you know, uh, an older um, person, especially older male. I exaggerate mm-hmm. the value of the cheekbone. So we, we exaggerate things. Most of the time as an artist, we don't copy everything from, from the life model. So that's why we are not a copycat. We try not to copy everything from the, the subject. We exaggerate things. We push, you know, for me, I push the, the value of the cheekbone most of the time. And I, um, you know, we don't see the muscle, so we exaggerate the muscle. Like, for example, I exaggerate the cheekbone, I exaggerate the winkle because I know that people out there, they want to see the muscle. They want to see the, you know, the anatomy. So that's something that I know that that's my audience want because it's perfect for my subject. I like to draw, you know, older person because I, I like that storytelling. I think the winkle, they're beautiful. You know, they, they're like storytelling elements. So that's why that is, you know, I, I think it's important to learn the anatomy and embrace the anatomy. And even though we don't see it, but the more you practice, you know, the, the knowledge of anatomy, it becomes your second nature. I will mm-hmm. help you, Jeff. Thank okay? you. you. I appreciate that. <laughs> you know, it's interesting how the human brain functions because... There are a lot of principles in art where we as the artist, our job is to understand, you know, we're talking about anatomy, understand anatomy, understand structure, understand light or understand value, understand um, so many different things better than the lay person so that we can exaggerate those things just enough to make life look more lifelike. And what's so interesting is that you would think that if you just copy something exactly the way you see it, then people, it would be more believable. But the reality is our job as the artist sometimes is to push it beyond what, push beyond what we see in order to make it more convincing. Is that your experience too? Yeah. I also appreciate the fact you mentioned the difference between you as an artist and me as an artist. So you are coming as a fine artist. I'm coming from the illustration background. Right. I was an illustrator. Uh, you know, I was introduced as an illustrator before fine artist. Yeah, I was going to ask I you about that. Asked, That's a that I, I think that plays a part in this. Yeah. So I spent four years to become an illustrator. This episode is brought to you in part by Rosemary Brushes. If you're one of my listeners who's a professional artist, you're already using Rosemary Brushes. But for the rest of you, come on. Take your work a little more seriously. Stop buying the other brands. It's just not worth it. Every now and then you may get lucky and buy a good brush from another brand, but 
Use the brand that professionals like myself are using. Go to rosemaryandco.com, link in the description or the show notes, and get yourself some quality brushes before your next painting. And as an illustrator, we need to know about the storytelling. We have to exaggerate. For the figure drawing, the illustration department, we we are not trying to, of course, in the, you know, um, drawing number one, you know, uh, the first class of figure drawing, we have to draw what we see. So, mm -hmm. and then second class in the illustration department for the figure drawing, we have to use the model, you know, as an inspiration. We are not trying to copy what we see from the life model, but we try to learn how to push the post because that was our job as an illustrator, because, you know, figure drawing for illustrator or for fine artists, for fashion, you know, for foundation department, you know, it's the same subject, but it's a different approach. So I guess it's in my blood that I like to exaggerate things. I like to idealize things, you know. So that is in my, in my blood because I went to school to become an illustrator. I cannot change that. And then now, you know, I, you know, I wouldn't say I'm in a, in a fine arts industry. I'm just doing, I'm in the art field, you know, I, so I often tell my students, I'm just a shadow artist. I, you know, I, I try to do them all. I try to do everything. So just mm -hmm. try not to label me. I'm a fine artist, illustrator, animator, you know, uh, concept artist. But I know, um, I want to ask your feedback. I know in the art, fine arts art field, fine artists would not accept illustrator. Is that true? Not this fine artist. I don't think that's the case uh, among uh, realists. I think, mm -hmm. uh, you know, many of us realists really admire all of the great illustrators of the past mm -hmm. and present. I mean, it's in, in, the, in the blue chip. Well, a lot of people said I, I'm inspired by Norman Rockwell in my family portraits. And Same I think, yeah, and I don't. And, you know, I, I love Norman Rockwell. He his work came to BYU, which is only 50 miles from where I live. And he is i don't care what you say he is beyond the stereotypical you know when i say stereotypical i mean the the the, the illustrator that the fine art world likes to poo poo you know i mean when you look <laughs> at his paintings they're they're paintings i mean they are there is paint on there it is there is thick it's got body to it it's it's just his control of color is just extraordinary and even though it's going to print and it's just CMYK and there's, you know, a lot of that gets lost. But when you see the originals, it's like, you know, you can't say that's not fine art. What, what it's, it's art and it's fine, fine art. That's simple. That's simple. I don't know who's defining fine art. Granted the blue chip art world, you know, the Gagosians of the art world, they're they're gonna probably poo-poo it and say it's not art because it's not a banana tape to a wall. But you know, that's not I don't think most realists feel that way. But yeah. I mean I can't speak for everybody. I love Loma Rockwell. I love Loma Rockwell. Um one of my favorite, favorite uh illustrator is uh Jay Z Linedecker. Joseph Christian Linedecker was Loma Rockwell's idol. So Yeah um, nah. his I like his work too. I love JC Linebacker. I love Loma Rockwell, but if you love Loma Rockwell, you would love 
Joseph Christian Leindecker. Amazing yeah. crap. I want to be one of his, you know, uh, subject on his painting. Um, idealize all those, you know, uh, uh, face figurative and then, you know, folds. Uh, J.C. Leindecker definitely is one of my favorite illustrator. Um, you know, it doesn't matter fine artist or illustrator, but I've, I've heard that, you know, before I, you know, I, I got into the, you know, fine arts industry or fine arts world because I know that, you know, I've heard about, you know, fine artists, they always say, oh, illustrator, you're not fine artists, we're not the same group. But, you know, mm, to yeah. me, I'm just a shallow artist. I, I, I appreciate every single art. You know, I love art in general. That's all. I don't care. It's fine art, you know, illustrate, illustration or, you know, uh, digital art. You know, I, I, I love all kind of like art. As long as it looks great, you know, I, I love them all. Yeah, I agree. I just take it one artist at a time, one painting at a time. If it, if it moves me, it moves me. It's that simple. I don't care how it's labeled. But, you know, to me, the, the, main difference between illustration or the only difference between illustration and painting at least when it comes to realism is the client i mean is there there really isn't much of a difference i've been called an illustrator because i illustrate the bible fine whatever you want to call me an illustrator call me an illustrator i don't care but no am i painting for magazines and books no of course not but would it matter if i was no it'd be the same image <laughs> so yeah you know what i mean so i don't know it's not it's it, never been an issue for me it's just a title it's, it's just, just a, title. a title yeah okay well you've uh you've worked in a lot of mediums too but i only saw on your entire website two paintings so you... <laughs> i knew it i knew it John. i don't care I you are a draftsman oh, let me ask the question let me guess your question okay i've got that all the time they always ask me i mean i have been interviewed many 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 times Oliver, do you do you do painting? I do, I do. I just I'm not embarrassed, you know. You shouldn't um, be. Um, you know we, I. So if you ask me this question, you didn't. But I no, this myself, is my question. Let me uh, actually ask you my question. Okay, go ahead. Why? What is it about drawing that keeps you so satisfied and enamored with that medium? That, that you haven't had to move into painting. I mean, I find it respectable that you've been able to explore charcoal and Conte Cran and various other drawing mediums for so long and keep it interesting. But what is it about it that, that satisfies you to the degree that you don't even feel the need to move into painting in general? Obviously, here's a painting, but in general, you're completely content in dry media. What is it about it? <laughs> Thank you so much, uh, Jeff, allowing me to talk about this. I believe that good drawing, rendering skills help you to give a solid foundation. Um, so I believe in value, tone, you know, otherwise uh, known as value. So I think the drawing skills is the basic fundamental of mm -hmm. the, any of the And, you know, I am not ashamed perhaps I am good at drawing. So we all have to, you know, some, when I was younger in the, you know, if you ask me this question 20 years and I was, I was embarrassed. I was like ashamed. I, I, I will hate you and say, how dare you, Jeff, ask me an embarrassing question. You know, <laughs> that's two, that's two things you would have hated about me in the past years, man, it really adding up. 
<laughs> but now I'm in my 50s. I accept who I am as an artist. Maybe I am good at doing black and white value. Yeah. You know, value is how light and darkness of the color, you know. So believe it or not, value is the more important. I believe, you know, value is more important than color to the design and success of any of the painting. You know, that's what I believe. Value is the fundamental element in the impact of the visual art, whether it's abstract art or representational art, you know. So I, at this point, I'm selling, you know, black and white value. Of course, I have been painting with my teachers, Zhao Ming Wu and Henry Yan, you know, but I'm more, you know, confident in doing with the dry medium um, in, in terms of value, you know, I'm true to myself. And I keep telling my students, they ask me the same question. I don't find it is embarrassing. I just told them that, you know, everybody wants to become a painter. You know, you, you, you know, you've been to the portrait society. You know, I'm so lucky. I'm so lucky that portrait society gave me a, a platform, a channel or a chance to, to show off my artistic, basic, fundamental sketching and rendering skill in dry medium. And that's something that I'm really, really grateful and thankful for that. Because people out there, they don't value, they don't care about drawing skills. Everybody wants to become the next uh, masterful painter, but they don't know how to draw. I mean, I, I'm, I'm old enough to admit that Oliver maybe sometime you have to be true to yourself. I find it is more natural for me to deal with dry medium. And it's natural for me to do black and white. Am I colorblind? I mean, I'm not. But, you know, I'm just true to myself. Dry media is easier for me. And then, of course, I still do painting. And this weekend, I'm going to Seattle and go painting with my teacher, Zhao Ming Wu. And in September, I'm going to do a pen air painting with Wai Han Lu in France. I allow, once in a while, I allow myself to step out from my comfort zone to become a little bit more diversified artist. So, of course, deep down inside, I know what is in my comfort zone. I know what I'm good at, but I still challenge myself because, you know, as I said, my philosophy, mm -hmm. I have to refill my cup and you know, that's something that I presenting myself as a dry medium, you know, a vine charcoal artist at this stage. Maybe like five years later, I will put more of the painting. But at this point, that is what I'm selling. And I believe that I think traditional skill, I think it is very, very important. And I, I keep telling my student, you know, everybody wants to become a painter. Everybody wants to learn to paint and everybody will underestimate a drawing. And that is the fact that I want to say thank you for Portrait Society for their support. For the past four or five years, they gave me a lot of support as a, you know, vine charcoal artist. Mm -hmm. They invited me, they included me to their community. And I want to say I, I'm really, really grateful and thankful for their support because, you know, to be, you know, the fact is no one care about drawing skills. 
all they care about beautiful painting. They talk about how well they paint. But I look at sometimes I look at the painter and say, do they sketch or they use a projector? And I'm not going to go go into that aspect because you know I I value people they can sketch extremely well. You know, and uh, you know that's why I think drawing skills is the basic fundamental. I don't care how well they paint, but you know I I value the traditional basic fundamental. You know, drawing skills. I think it's very, very important, and I hope my student will, you know, understand that every they they all want to become a painter, but you don't need to rush. Learn how to deal with light and shadow value, because painting is not about color. Painting is all about you know the the value. It's、mm-hmm. a it's a relationship of value. But you know, sometimes the student they don't know. They just like. Oh, Oliver! I took one workshop, two days workshop with you. How do you deal with shape, plane change? And then tomorrow I can sign up with、uh, Zhao Mingwu, and I say, go ahead. If you don't know how to walk, if you don't know how to walk with Oliver, you cannot able to run with the masters. You know, the, the a lot of students they don't know. They just like, oh, I want you, I want you learn how to paint. And I say, you don't even know how to hold a fine charcoal. You don't even know how to. Use a dry media, you know. Take your time.、Yeah. Why are you rushing to become a? No, I, you know, I, I think painting is my goal. Yeah, you know, everybody wants to become an art director. Everybody wants to become a concept artist. But you have to pay. You have to do your part. You have to learn how to draw before you become a painter. So of course, you know, I know how to paint, but. You know, deep down inside, I'm just, you know, selling myself as an educator to show my student how to sketch, you know, how to do dry medium. And then,、mm. if you know how to do dry medium, you know, painting is not easy. is 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 easy easier. But if you don't know anything about shape plane change, and you don't even know how to use hold,、uh, you know, do、um, fine charcoal. Painting will become very, very difficult. Oh, absolutely! Absolutely, I've had so many thoughts as you were talking, but I had one funny thought when you were talking about a、Go、student、ahead. that takes your class, one class, he just gets his feet wet a little bit, and then wants to go to a more advanced painting class. If, I, I pictured a guy who aspires to be a bodybuilder, and he's 120 pounds soaking wet. And he he just doesn't want to go through all the trouble of going to the gym. He goes to the、oh. gym for a month, and then he joins a body bodybuilding competition. <laughs> and he's standing on stage at 125 pounds, competing against these gorillas. And because he's passionate, why shouldn't he get on the stage? And it sounds so ridiculous, but that's what happens in art schools every single day. You go to the gym. For 16 weeks, let's call the gym the drawing class, and then all of a sudden you're ready for competition. It's like what you got to work out for crying out loud. You got to get your drawing skills sharp, you know. And you mentioned how grateful you are for the Porch Society. Here's another thought: the Porch Society. I'm going to be on the faculty again this year, which is which is such an honor. Always, every time. When they contacted me, I don't know if this is too transparent, but I said. I always say I'm willing to do whatever you want. I just miss there to help, and because they often say, "Is there something in particular that you'd be interested in doing?" 
And I usually just say, whatever you want, I'm happy to help. But the only thing I'd rather not do is critiques. But I'll do it if you want. I'm, I just want to help them out. It's a great organization. I'll do critiques too. But here's why I don't like doing critiques. Because I might critique 30 people. It's a, For those who haven't come to the Porch Society, it's a line of people out the door with their work and they just bring them in one after the other and sit them in front of one of the faculty and the faculty critiques them. I've been there. Yeah. Um, I've done 99 it. times out of 100, it's the same critique. You need to Boy. practice drawing. And they want me to critique their painting. And I'm like, how can I critique your painting when the drawing underneath it is? But they're like, but no, I want you to critique the painting. There's, I, I can't. I can't. You just need to practice drawing. And it gets so redundant. It's like one person comes up, practice drawing. The next person comes up, practice drawing. The next person comes up, practice drawing. So I'm 100% with you. You can't skip over this. My last thought is that I interviewed Christopher Tijan some time ago, and he made a really interesting point. He uses grid sometimes because he does these really elaborate outdoor paintings. He says, but you can't do it too much because if you forget how to draw, you forget how to make fluid, beautiful, graceful brushwork. I'm paraphrasing. And I look at your work and you are a very painterly draftsman. You have so much control of the medium because you know how to draw. You can make these incredibly fluid, graceful marks around the hair, these beautiful edges in the eyebrows, these lost and found edges around the jawline. And you do it with such confidence because you draw really well. And after 21 years of teaching, I know what someone who draws well enough to get a good likeness can do versus a master draftsman can do. Someone who draws well enough to get a good likeness will have a very tight, very precise, very academic drawing. Someone who draws really well, it'll look more like this, you know, and that's, it's just from 21 years of teaching. And is that your experience as well? Yeah, in the beginning of uh, doing faces, I want to do a beautiful face, you know, but now in my, I'm in my 50s, I like to create a soulful portrait drawing. Right. And I appreciate the fact that you, you mentioned, um, I make my drawing looks painterly. Uh, that is my objective. That's my goal because, you know, I want to use a basic, I go back to the basic, we all use fine charcoal. So I use fine charcoal and I make my drawing looks like a painting. That is my objective. And besides, I want to put a lot of like emotion. I want to make my, my, my drawing as a soul. I don't want to create a, just a beautiful, beautiful, handsome guy, pretty girl, you know, a, a, a beautiful artwork. But if the beautiful artwork without a soul to me is not a successful piece. So that is my goal to create a soulful portrait drawing and in vine charcoal. And I spend a lot of time to make my vine charcoal looks like a painting. So that's the, you know, you know, that's why I, I told my, my, my audience, my, my students say, are you sure you don't see painting on my social media? It's just more than two. Not just you. Don't take it personal, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> so any single one to me is a painting. I try to, you know, I, I paint it with mine charcoal and that's it. So of course, 
you know, people out there, no, no, it's still, I understand, you know, I cannot change people's, you know, perception about drawing and painting. I understand that. And um, so I, I really, really appreciate, you know, people look at my drawing as a painting. You know, I, that is my goal. That's my objective that, you know, I want to make, um, you know, drawing as good as a painting. And then going back to your, your, your frustration doing a critique. Uh, you know, I've been there. I keep telling my student, you know, doing a pep talk is very, very, uh, stressful, uh, to me as an art educator. You know, I, I did the, uh, the portfolio critique and I, I'm, I'm with you. You know, after one hour, it's the same talk again and again and again. You know, people show up, they want you to give them a compliment. And I'm sure Jeff and I, we have a similar personality. Sometimes it's so difficult to give them, you know, to kiss their asses, you know, to make them feel good. But, you know, it just, you know, I sometimes I tell them, you know, um, I, I'd be honest to tell them that, you know, behind every successful piece, there's a lot of unsuccessful pieces. Every artist was the first an amateur. You know, people sign up for my workshop, you know, my workshop usually open to all level. So they, especially the student there, you know, in their older, they refuse to make mistake. You know, they always believe that they are professionals. They, but they, they have money to sign up for the workshop, but they don't want to do the work. They don't want to fail. So, you know, successful artists, regardless professional or amateur, successful artists know that, you know, their growth comes from within, you know, within practicing. You know, you don't be afraid of failure. You know, failure means you're learning. So keep failing because you will be learning your whole entire art career. And that's, you know, I keep telling the student, the, the amateur feels he, she, I have to do it that way. He, she, they, good enough. A professional knows that he, she, they is never good enough. So I often tell my student this, the master, I'm not master, but you know, my master level mentors, the master failed more time than the beginner had ever tried. So professionals see failure as part of the path to growth and to mystery. Professionals understand that initial achievement is just the beginning. So keep on practicing is about your art journey. And maybe, you know, you know, this two decades I'm doing wine charcoal, portrait drawing, maybe next time you interview me, I will do something different. I might do abstract. I might do, you know, soy sauce abstract painting because I'm Chinese. <laughs> you tape, never soy, know. tape soy sauce to the wall. You'll make a bunch. Yeah. So I'm not afraid to try so many different things. It's just like at this point, I'm so lucky that people find my fine charcoal drawing impressive. And, you know, I, I'm not a one trick pony. I keep, you know, exploring so many things because I'm so lucky that I'm an artist mm -hmm. and you know, it's, there's always room for improvement. So, you know, I, I'm up for anything. You know, I'd love to, you know, take your workshop, you know, you, you open my eyes. I'd love to learn so many new techniques. I, I, I'm eager to learn. I'm very, very eager to learn. So.
Yeah, uh, I appreciate that. And and uh, ditto. We should trade workshops at some point. That would be fun. You take mine. I'll take yours. Wave so, the cost. You I'm teaching one. Do you teach in Scottsdale? Uh, yes, I'm going back there in November. I'm going back there in November. I think that my that will be my third time. Um, I think is I still have my paper calendar. I'm looking at my paper calendar. Yeah. Um, I use paper calendar. Do you use paper calendar? No, I don't use. I don't not anymore. <laughs> I'm two I years. I'm two years younger than you. I'm much more technologically savvy. That, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm going back there on November 13th. Okay, no, I'm so back. I'm going back in January. I can't remember the dates, but January. Um, but yeah, it would be fun to see you down there sometime. So yeah. I got I got two two more questions. One is a short, easy one. Do you have a favorite paper? that you use? Because I love the quality and it almost feels like you're working on a smooth paper sometimes, but I realize no. that vine charcoal doesn't take as well to certain smooth papers. So I'm curious. No, it's the Strathmore. Um, I, I try to experiment different type of paper. Um, it's a Strathmore medium surface um, drawing paper, medium surface. So okay. it has a little bit of the texture. It comes with the smooth medium surface and then the rough surface. So I like, um, I have been using the Strathmore medium surface drawing paper for mm, I think more than two decades. So wow. it's okay. I know the characteristics. So this is this drawing. Uh, most of my fine charcoal drawing was on Strathmore medium surface drawing paper. Good to know. They come by twenty four and also uh, seventeen by fourteen inches. Okay, and it's a pretty lightweight paper, if I remember right, isn't it? Uh, yeah, uh, I think ninety pounds it, or something. 70 pounds. 70 pounds. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, and then lastly, this is a question I ask all of my guests, so you might be aware of it. And that is, what, is that? what piece of advice would you give an aspiring artist? You've already given us so much advice, but what's one more piece of advice <laughs> that you'd give an aspiring artist who wants to be an artist like yourself? Mm, be open-minded. Um, it's about your art journey and it's, you know, it's okay to make mistakes. I think be open-minded and learn and practice and it will take you a lifetime to master the technique that you learn. So it's okay to fail. I think it just, I think I gave you a lot of advice. I think, um, yeah, you practice, have already. don't, don't be afraid to make mistakes. I mean, um, you know, when we get older, we are not wiser. Sometimes, you know, we are human beings. Sometimes we set a lot of rules. And I think sometimes it's a good idea to let go yourself and try to learn some new technique. So doesn't, regardless, professional, amateur, you know, allow yourself to make mistakes and enjoy your art journey. No, I... Don't worry about the, the result. That's great. And I don't care what your last name is. You seem like a pretty nice guy. So thank <laughs> so thanks for coming on the show. Thank you so much, Jeff. I want to say um, honest mind, you know, and honest mind, share my knowledge and not share my opinion here with you. And I look forward to seeing your performance and the next time at the Portrait Society Conference. You did amazing work. Thank you. Thank you. Amazing work. And you're my greatest inspiration. So. Oh, hardly. But thank you. We'll see you there. See you next spring. Thank you. 
Thanks for tuning in to the Undraped Artist Podcast. If you enjoyed it, subscribe. And if you could, leave a comment or review. That really helps the channel. Please share the show with your friends. And if you're feeling generous, consider a monthly donation at theundrapedartist.com. Thanks again for watching. We'll see you next week.